Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. I'm Pastor Art Georges, and I'm joined by Pastor Rich Burkle and Pastor Daniel Bennett. And uh, we're continuing our series on the issue of homosexuality and how the church should respond and think and encourage those who may be struggling with that issue. Uh, And so in this session, we want to dig into some of the biblical passages to get God's Word's perspective on this very important topic. In the last session, uh, Daniel, you took us through some of the world's arguments about what the Bible says, be it frequency of mention of the issue and uh, the negativity of the issue versus a positive slant, perhaps. Uh, In this, we want to talk more about what the Bible says and God's perspective. Where would we start, guys? I think a lot of the um, a lot of the the texts that people kind of naturally or go to or go to first are, are in the Old Testament, and a lot of the regarding homosexuality, and a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the questions that people have about Scripture's authority on the issue of homosexuality homosexuality come to how do we interpret the Old Testament, and specifically. Uh, parts of the Old Testament that are what we call the law. So maybe we could start there talking a little bit about what the law says about homosexuality and how we believe, in in what ways we believe that to be authoritative today. Okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about some specific texts of Scripture and and, uh, uh, read them and then comment on them, and we'll probably make some comments of what others who promote um, homosexual relationships and behavior say about those texts. Uh, there, there are some homosexual activists who who just simply agree that the Bible condemns homosexuality. You know, they just say, "But we're we're kicking the Bible out as a worthless book." In fact, they use the Bible's condemnation of homosexuality as yet another example of how it's a book that's oppressive. It's not right loving. It's contradictory. Yeah, so forth, and yet. Ironically, there there are others who are inside the the uh, um, homosexual activist movement that uh, would try to teach that Scripture actually affirms homosexuality, that it does not reject it, right. and and so so we're going to be talking about some of those arguments that uh, homosexual activists may make that uh, would would say Scripture affirms uh, this. Behavior and, and these relationships. Uh, just maybe as a as a, a note before we talk about them, um, you know, today uh, anybody can get access to any teacher instantly at the click of a button, and and so uh, the internet has has really allowed many false teachers to have an audience that they otherwise wouldn't have had. And for those who are believers uh, listening to this Revive the Drive, I, I just want to encourage you to remember what Jesus said about false prophets and false teachers. He said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, uh, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Um, in uh, uh, Second Peter, uh, 
Peter would write in Second Peter 2, but false prophets also arise arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And the uh, comment that God has to say about false teachers is not, hey, listen to them and study their arguments so that you could evaluate whether they have something valuable to say. Uh, the Scripture's teaching is to beware of them and to move away from them and to reject them, reject their teaching. And the Scripture then sets up um, some qualifications for people who we do listen to and who, do we, who we want to be taught by. And, uh, and so those qualifications are listed in First Timothy and Titus very clearly, that these are the kinds of people that, um, that God would have us as believers listen to and learn from. And so just kind of a, a caveat there to say that uh, uh, while it, it may be helpful to know what the other side is saying, I would really strongly discourage anyone from going to some of these false prophets to discover truth. In other words, I'm thinking through this issue, um, I, I'm wondering what, what the Bible really says, um, that, that that their own lifestyle has already condemned them and their teaching. And so so I'd really caution young people in particular from from going outside of those qualifications that are listed for teachers in order to discover truth from Scripture. <laughs> That's good. So the, the first passage, though, is, is uh, that passage from Genesis 19. I don't know if you want to discuss this one, Daniel. Um, and it, it has to, it's the first passage, really, that references um, homosexual uh, behavior, and it's that, that passage regarding Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, we're probably going to need to put a uh, a warning on these CDs or something, you know, <laughs> the PG-13 uh, warning for – so, you know, if, if parents are listening to these things with, with kids in the car or whatever, you know, just kind of uh, be be mindful of, of some of the the, uh, the subject matter we're, we're dealing with. But, uh, yeah, so in Genesis uh, 19, you have the story of uh, the, the, the two angels visiting – uh, Sodom and coming to to Lot that begins in, in chapter 19 and, and Lot uh, practices hospitality he comes and encourages the the men to spend the night in his home and they say no we'll stay on the square and yet he he tells them man that's a terrible idea and so they come into his home and and uh, then in verse 4 it says before they lay down the men of the city the men of Sodom surrounded the house both young and old all the people from every quarter and and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. And Lot, uh, Lot, Lot prevents that. And there's this, uh, this you know, strange scene where Lot offers his own daughters uh, to these to these men to to satisfy their lusts, and they say no, uh, stand aside. Uh, and and they're going to uh, they're going to. It says they tried to press hard against Lot and came near to break the door, and the men, uh, the angels, were able to to stop them, striking them all with blindness. And so the question as we come to to, to Genesis nineteen is is uh, what exactly is is being condemned here? And the the term uh, sodomy comes from what happens here in in Sodom, and so even the the act. Uh, Involved right. in homosexuality is is named after this this city, and so that's an important point because uh, some would claim that the sin of 
Sodom was being inhospitable to these two visitors. And uh, contrary to that, uh, you have Lot offering to these men his very daughters instead of something which would be more abominable to uh, to him and to the Lord to take these uh, male visitors. Yeah, and the very response of God informs us also of the nature of the sin. It's uh, it's not that they're not uh, welcoming them enough. I mean, they they had fire and brimstone rain down upon the city, and the city was completely destroyed. So something much more is is happening there. And and of course, the New Testament. We'll get into that. The New Testament makes comment on this Old Testament passage. So it's not uh, – it, it's the first passage that addresses the, the issue of homosexuality. We see it explicitly mentioned here. And uh, no one's advocating that that's the only problem that Sodom had. It seems to be uh, more just one of the many characteristics of a culture that had debased mm-hmm. themselves and, and turned away from God. You know, uh, other passages talk about their, their sin of uh, greed and, and turning away the poor. And so, so there were – when we say that uh, homosexuality is, is part of the reason that God's condemnation was, was brought, we're not saying that's the only reason. We're saying it's one of many of the characteristics of a culture that had uh, turned away from God. Yeah, th- this is a, a key um, a key story because it's referenced so often both in the Old Testament. I think you just um, made mention of Ezekiel's mention of this story, and Jesus will mention it as well as Jude and Peter. And so maybe it might be good to just even take a moment and and speak about the comments that other biblical writers made on this story so that we don't miss the significance of the story and of the sin and of God's attitude toward the sin. And so in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 and 50, uh, Ezekiel writes, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess food, and prosperous ease, but, but did not aid the poor and the needy. And uh, you just mentioned that. And, and if that's where the, the – if Ezekiel stopped, we might think, well, maybe it is inhospitality that was the sin. But Ezekiel continues, they were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And he saw it, he saw the abomination. And and that was what – it's the abomination that they did. And, of course, that word abomination is used in Leviticus, in Leviticus. to describe the sin of right. homosexuality. Um, I think a, a, a great comment is from Jesus on this in, in Matthew 10. Let me read it and let me ask your, your uh, um, comments on Jesus' words, uh, since Jesus often is said to never speak about the sin of homosexuality. Um, he says, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than that than than for that town. And so, how how does how does Jesus' words help us understand Jesus' attitude, his his thoughts regarding regarding um, homosexuality? Well, he certainly references it. He was aware that it occurred. He affirmed it, and he affirmed that their judgment was worthy of their sin. Yeah. So it's appropriate for God to have judged them for this specific act that took place here in in Sodom and Gomorrah. Jude, as he describes the sin of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uses – in a, in a context that's dealing with with sexuality and, and immoral immorality, he he mentions uh, 
angels who didn't keep their own domain. I think he's perhaps referring there to, to Genesis 6 and, and kind of the, the immorality that existed there. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. So it's, it's are exhibited as an example, just as Jesus says, in undergoing the, the punishment of eternal fire. So, so clearly, uh, we, we see in, in that Genesis passage a, a condemnation of, of homosexuality. And, and that Jude's pas- Jude 7 uh, passage is so important because it says very specifically they, they went after, in your, in your version, they went after strange flesh. Mine says they pursued unnatural desire. And uh, and so it's it's not just again inhospitality. It's not even that they were uh, inflamed with uh, uncontrolled lust, but it was the specific unnatural desire that was mentioned or strange flesh uh, relationship that they were pursuing. Um, and uh, you know, for our listeners, Second uh, Peter two four and following also reference. Uh, the Sodom Gomorrah, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. He says in verse 6, if by turning the cities of Sodom Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. Um, and uh, so, so again, he's Peter's just referencing the appropriateness of the judgment that mm-hmm. falls upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. There's a um, there's a connection here that I think it's important for us to pull out. Um, what was that passage in Ezekiel? Ezekiel 16, 16. 49, and fifty. It it uh, references their haughtiness, and and haughtiness and pride is an affront to God. It's a distancing of oneself from God and a dependent relationship upon God. And we see that that culminates uh, in this sexual immorality. And that takes my mind now to Leviticus 18, because in Leviticus 18, uh, it says very clearly, among, uh, among other sins that are referenced, it says in verse 22 of Leviticus 18, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female, it is an abomination. Now, there are other abominations that are mentioned here, but the passage goes on to say in verse 24 of Leviticus 18, Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. For the land has become defiled, verse 25, therefore I have brought its punishment upon it, so the land has spewed out its inhabitants. Just as a haughtiness uh, led to a sexual immorality in Sodom and God's judgment. So also in Canaan, before God brought his people in, it was the sins of the people, including this haughtiness that led to sexual immorality. In other words, these prideful individuals are denying God's purpose in human sexuality. And it is because of it reaching that point that God judges a nation or nations. And I think that's such an important point for us to realize uh, that that's why the church must speak out about these issues, because God's judgment uh, as a nation uh, should be seen as uh, hanging over us when sexual immorality reaches uh, the point where it's at in our nation today. But Art, you're talking about Leviticus 
Amen. I, I mean, right. who even reads that anymore, right? right? And, right. and all of us disobey parts of Leviticus. So, so why why would that have? Why, why would those uh, pass? You know, you mentioned Leviticus eighteen, Leviticus yeah, twenty good. as well. Good why question. Why would those me, still be in effect? Yeah, let me put a wrapper around Leviticus in another way. Leviticus says, "Okay, you are God's people." You are to be distinct from the nations, and this is how my people are going to distinguish themselves from the nations. Now, admittedly, there are dietary restrictions that would not be placed upon God's people today, but in that day and time, God says, this is how I want you to distinguish yourself from the nations, not only in a dietary restriction, but also in terms of how you practice uh, sexuality. And so... What we see has, as having gone away is this dietary restriction. We see that in Acts, uh, in, in Peter's vision that God has called clean now. Dietary restrictions formerly are no longer those that are restricted, but that is not lifted on human sexuality. And some, sometimes we talk about the way in which uh, the Old Testament law you know, it was it was God's law given to a certain people at a certain time, so they could live in obedience to Him. And so, in a, in a different cultural context, you know, we're not surrounded by the Canaanites any longer. Uh, some of the aspects of of what it means to be the people of God are are different. Christ has abolished that as a in, in terms of its cultural relevance. But what about the character of God? You know, how how do you see the Old Testament law revealing the character of law of of the law in in all aspects of it? And, and how does that relate to the issue of homosexuality? Well, it relates to his holiness, um, that he is uh, God and he wants his people to be separate from the world. And so so he, uh, he made these laws in the Old Testament for a specific nation. He recognized that this nation needed to, in order to be pure unto him, needed not to mingle with other nations that were worshiping idols. He was fencing the men. And so, so like, for instance, the dietary laws, who you eat with defines very much who you relate to. Um, it's hard to marry a person that you've never had food with. <laughs> and so um, so he, uh, he, he did fence them in, to use your, your language there, Art, uh, to keep them pure unto himself. Now, in the New Testament time, we find that uh, – the God's kingdom program for the nation of Israel is set aside for a time. Um, we believe that there's a future day when Israel will, will again have have a national presence in the kingdom of God. But uh, he speaks to his church that that uh, is now international. It's not confined to borders, and so it's not fenced in by these laws that were given to a nation. It's fenced in by um, the laws that are governed by uh, God's holiness and by uh, His Holy Spirit, and so, so uh, um, the Old Testament re- always still has a deep concern for the holiness of God's people. The New Testament exp- it continues to expand upon that, and uh, so, um, and Jesus helps us to understand what aspects of the law are set aside for time and what aspects of the law are to be continued to be observed by by God's people. Amen. Well, we're going to continue this important discussion on the issue of homosexuality and how we in the church uh, can and should and must think about it. And so uh, 
It's been a joy to my heart as we continue to unfold what God's Word says in in, uh, contradiction to the voices of the world today that we're so um, bombarded with. So uh, I hope this has helped you, and please continue to join us in the next several uh, uh, sessions so that uh, we can continue to get clarity on this issue. God bless.